Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season two, episode 15, Cubs Spring Training Games. They have begun, Crawley. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on our socials. Fly the W670 on Twitter and Instagram and fly the W on Facebook or email us, fly the W670 at gmail.com. Crawley, how was the weekend? Oh, I, I, I literally sat there and watched ba- six, seven, eight hours worth of baseball. Uh, I watched both games, and then Marquis had a nice Billy Williams documentary afterwards, uh, Icons of the Ivy. I was in all my glory, Dustin. I just literally <laughs> hooked hook it up into my veins and just give me nothing but Cubs baseball. Yeah, I got to catch some on the uh, on the Odyssey app. I was able to listen to some of the uh, game on Saturday afternoon and catch some of that. I was out of town, so uh, tell tell us, Crowley, what did you uh, what did you see in the uh, in the first two games, and specifically? Uh, you know, game number one, and then I want to ask you about game number two. Yeah, so after five long months of waiting, finally games on TV and 670 the score, and I listened a little bit on the Odyssey app too to my guy Alex Cohn. He did a great job. Um, but the Cubs took on the Giants, and and I was pumped. All the Cub fans on social media were pumped when David Ross released his roster, and that looked like an opening day roster, roster Dustin. That's all I'm saying. You take yep. a look right here. This is what we wanted, man. Like, if you were out in Mesa, Nico Horner at second and leading off, Swanson batting second, Ian batting third, Saya batting cleanup, Mancini's the DH, Bellinger in center, Hosmer at first, Wisdom playing third, and then Gomes catching with Stroman on the bump. Now, that is a lineup, Dustin. That's a good way to start it. There's no doubt about that. And uh, a couple of the guys uh, delivered. A couple of guys had some nice uh, first spring training games. But I'm asking you, Dustin, if you were to pencil in your lineup, if Dustin Rhodes was given the lineup card by by manager David Ross, how different would your lineup have been from what David put out there? You know, maybe maybe I change the catcher, but I don't know if Stroman prefers to throw to Gomes. I mean, that might be that might be it. Um, since Mancini was DHing, um, I'm fine with Hosmer. Over at first, it's going to be some combination of those two if all if both guys stay healthy. So yeah, I, I right now I, I have no problems with that at all. So how about here, you? I thought it was phenomenal. I thought it was that's exactly how I would have exactly penciled it in. But Dustin, of course, it can't be Cubs spring training without drama. We find out that Seiya Suzuki was scratched with oblique tightness, and he would be replaced by Brennan Davis. So we've talked on this show about all the workout and muscle muscle that he put on. I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not, but obliques are not a fun thing to deal with. No, not a fun thing to deal with. And now, you know, they're not going to, they, the Cubs, are not going to rush. They're going to, you know, want him to take it slow. It'll be precautionary. We'll probably find out more information by the time we are on to episode number 16 of this podcast, season two. Um, but now I really don't want him going to the WBC. Yeah. Right. I, I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't want to pushing it because if you're going to that, you're going to push it, and, and I understand why you're going to push it if you're going to that. But I don't. I don't want him pushing it. 
Well, you know, the the thing of it is now, obviously, is that, you know, Sayers going to, they're going to take it slow with him. And Brennan Davis, who I talked about, you know, because of everything that happened last year with his nerve issue in his back, that now he has an opportunity. So, you know, really hoping he makes the most of it. But Marcus Stroman was handed the ball for the first start of the spring. And I thought he looked good. He gave up a run in the first. It was a one-out walk, a bloop single by former Cub Jock Peterson, and, and uh, a solid RBI single by Stephen Piscotti, who always gave the Cubs fit when he was with the Cardinals. So uh, the Giants took a one nothing lead, but with two on and one out, Stroh was able to induce a ground ball, and we got to see our first double play between Nico Horner and Dansby Swanson. Of that was exciting. Double right. play. That was exciting. Yep, absolutely. Want to see plenty of those this year. Yes, and Stroman would go two innings, two hits, one run, one walk. Patrick Wisdom, though, this was funny. He makes this phenomenal grab to rob Blake Sable of a base hit. And so he jumps. He climbs the ladder, makes this play. And afterwards, Stroman points at him and starts pointing it at his shoes. And I'm like, what the heck is he doing? And so uh, uh, J.D. and Boog later on found out that Stroman was using uh, Sugo brand, or I'm sorry, Wisdom was using spikes from Stroman's Sugo brand. So he has his own shoe brand, and, and Wisdom was using that. And so that's what he was pointing at. But okay. I, I, I can tell you that, that you know, it, it was a lot of fun watching the defense that very first game. You know, as far as it goes, he said you'd maybe replace uh, Tucker Barnhart with Jan Gomes. They had the bases loaded, but Gomes hit into double play. Run scored to tie it. Uh, they scored their second run on an RBI single by Trey Mancini, who went two for two on the day. Yeah, I was very, I was very excited to hear that, that Trey had a nice, uh, nice opener for the Cubs. You know, I truly believe that I think when all is said and done, he's going to be the everyday first baseman. I don't think it's going to be a, a flipping and a flopping with uh, Hosmer. I think Mancini's going to take the job personally. All right. I, I'm, and listen, I, I'm okay with that. I, I I remember banging the drum for Trey Mancini. As soon as we started talking hot stove, I was all over Trey Mancini. Now, Adrian Sampson did not have a good outing. He followed, um, you know, he piggybacked on Stroman and looking to solidify that fifth starter spot. He could not complete his two innings. He gave up three home runs and a walk, including back-to-back jacks in the fourth, but I'm not hitting the panic button on him just yet. A lot of people always count Adrian Sampson out. You'd rather he look good than not, but not going to freak out here, you know? Right. I, I, I don't know that freak out. And again, you don't know. A lot of the times guys are working on things, right? So it's situational. They're working on things. He's not in his normal routine, if you believe in that. My issue is the two balls going out of the park, right? I mean that—that's it's—it's giving up, it's giving up home runs. Now, if he was working on something, and they're never going to tell us that, and you're not going to be able to tell from watching it on TV or listening to it on the score. But if he was working on something, and that's what happened, then we'll get a better idea if they're willing to give him the ball based on how others do in that fifth spot but you know giving up home runs is a recipe for disaster and if you you know combine that with a couple of walks that's extra disastrous well the 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 other thing too is that a couple of those balls really seemed to carry it didn't look like they were going out and all all, they just kept going and going it was like you wonder like in chicago if they would have gone out so um the funny thing though is that in the the fourth fifth innings you saw a lot of changes in the bottom of the you know all of a sudden they they replaced so many people and, and we got to see PCA and PCA drew a walk which was awesome 
but he stole the base and he was not even close to getting tagged out. It was beautiful. And Mervis was really selective at the plate. So he drew a walk. They advanced on a, y- a wild pitch and Jared Young had a single and uh, advanced on an air. So PCA and Mervis score and the Scubs, Cubs trailed five to four, but they scored seven runs in the fifth. And the forgotten man, David Bodie, <laughs> big three run home run. Uh, you know, it was just a fun game to watch. Mervis was mashing. He hit every ball hard. One was an air, but it was smoke. Uh, you, everyone was asking for the exit velocity because that poor first baseman, I got a feeling he'd be icing his glove hand on that one. Uh, and that was a rocket, and he had another solid single. So he looked really good. Andy Drew, like I said, that walk. So the Cubs would go on to hit, win 10-8. to eight. Uh, They scored 10 runs on 12 hits with no errors. Nico at the leadoff spot, Dustin, two for two. So that was exciting. And then Trey Mancini, as we talked about, two for two, and Bodie with the home run. Love to see PCA with the stolen base. San Fran didn't look too good. They scored eight runs on 13 hits, but they had six errors. So they gave a lot of free base runners to the Cubs. And you know what? Good for the Cubs. They made them pay. Right. And listen, that's what you want. When when you get the uh, opening day lineup out there, you want you want the Cubs to uh, end up having having a good day and you like uh, taking advantage of those defensive miscues by the Giants which you which you mentioned. And then, you know, the pitching, right? Stroman, that that's very important. You, you, the next time you want to see him you know, maybe add an inning Right, make sure he's coming out of the out of the games good. We don't want to hear any fatigued arms or anything like that. And Marcus Stroman, another guy who's also planning to play in the World Baseball Classic. Right, and the other thing about Stroman is is the big pitch for him is the sinker. You know, and a lot of people say like you want to be more, get as many kind of keep throwing that sinker, get working on that arm action so that it's ready for opening day. So I think the World Baseball Classic is actually going to help him more than hurt him. Uh, Samson, we talked about 1.2 innings pitch, three hits, four runs, one walk, one K. A couple of pitchers that came in that are, are you know, trying to catch on with the Cubs. Roenus Elias is a journeyman who signed a minor league contract with the Cubs in December. He missed 2020 and 2021 with Tommy John surgery. He went two innings and gave up two hits and two runs. You had Mark Leiter, Vinny Natoli, who was a non-roster invite. He played for Seattle and the Phillies. And then Eric Stout was with the Cubs last year for a little bit, and he worked in innings. So it was fine, you know? It was fine. But uh, game two, Dustin, game two, we got the lineup was the exact opposite of the game one lineup. It looked like uh, a getaway day lineup on that one. I was not too, you know, but hey. You know, whatever. Magical at third base. We got to see that for the first time. McKinstry at second. Mervis at first base. Rios, who the Cubs picked up at the last, you know, right before, uh, you know, spring training started, was uh, the DH and planning cleanup. Morrell was in short. Talkman, Velasquez, Barnhart, DeLucio, and Javier Assad um, got the call. Now, you're asking, wait a second, what do you mean? Yeah, it was a Justin Steele start. Just like before game one, we got news that Steele was scratched from his start because of arm fatigue. Ross said they are, quote, erring on the side of caution, but he expects him to throw a bullpen and make his next start. Any cause for concern, Dustin? As long as he makes the next start, no. No cause for concern. I'm all about the the caution. I mean, he was going to throw, what, 25 pitches maybe? An inning and a third, an inning and two thirds tops. If it was going real well, maybe two. So it's okay. You know, get get your work in and and be ready for you know the opening series. That that's all I care about. Come out of spring training uh, healthy and prepared. That that's what is you know. Now if he if they come back around, if this time next week 
he is scratched again, then yes, then I will start being concerned. Now, most of these starters and the piggyback guys, the second guy in, you're, they're going to want to see two innings from, ideally. So that's roughly about where they're at, is two innings. And so Javier Assad, who's competing with Adrian Sampson for that fifth starter spot, he, he came in and he looked really good. He went two innings. He gave up zero hits, zero runs, zero walks, two Ks, six up, six down. He is also going to be playing in the World Baseball Classic for Team Mexico. So very exciting to see Javier Assad have a really good start. Like, like, like I said, we're not going to go crazy over one start, good or bad. But, but when you see someone, especially a kid like that, who, who just kind of looked like very confident, uh, I, I was pretty impressed. Yeah, listen. How do you? How can you not? I mean, look, two innings, zero hits, zero run. You know, right? I mean, six up, six down. Two. That's exactly what you would want. You you would want a guy like that, or a guy to come in in let's say the sixth and seventh inning, right? In a regular season game, after a, a true starter perhaps goes five. So yeah, absolutely. And and you like that? Uh, you know, Chris Morrell got a hit. Madrigal got a hit. So all good things. All good things. Right. You had Morrell hit a double, and then. Uh... Mike Tuckman and Ben DeLucio, guys that signed minor league contracts, they got on and stole bases. Nick Madrigal with a single. I will say, I saw Madrigal. The, where, where do you think, you know, what do they say? The ball finds you? The very first ball put in play to, is hit to Madrigal. I thought it was an okay throw, not the greatest. Almost the runner, had, uh, it was uh, Mervis, had to kind of stretch behind him a little bit. But after that, I mean, things were fine. Um, the Cubs replaced the entire ninth in the bottom of the fifth. All nine players were replaced. And so PCA entered the game, which was was cool. You know, always love watching him. But in the sixth, David Bodie got his fourth RBI in two days uh, when he hit a double to score Darius Hill. And Darius Hill's been impressive. He's a guy that doesn't get talked about a lot. Um, but with Darius, he's a guy that uh, really, almost like a Tommy LaStella type, that just always makes contact, good bat-to-ball skills. Uh, just like like I said, he doesn't have the power, the gaudy power numbers. He's not the crazy fielder. He's just one of those grinders that just always gets on base and is a real tough out. You know what I mean? Yeah, he'd be he's a, he'd be a nice piece off the bench. There's no doubt about that. Cubs were up four nothing in the sixth, and, and at that point, the the pitching staff of uh, Javier Assad, Michael Rucker, Brandon Little, and Manny Manrod, all guys that played on the Cubs last season, only gave up one hit. But then when the other kind of the uh, minor league and, and some of the other guys came in that were signed to free agent contracts, Dodgers came alive. They scored two runs in the sixth, three in the seventh, and four in the eighth. Came off Nick Niedert, who signed a minor league contract in January, Bailey Horn and Hunter Big, who have been with the Cubs, each gave up runs. There was 11 walks, uh, most of them, like I said, in the sixth, seventh, and eighth inning. They just completely lost the strike zone. So... You know, you're not going to get too frustrated there because none of those guys are guys that you expect to be on the roster when it breaks. Uh, no, at the end, not at all. End, right. End you're, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not worried about those kind of guys at all. Now, if it was PCA coming in and, you know, and going over three with two K's and things like that, you, you, you might be concerned. But again, the guys that have a chance in the second game to, to be part of the of the big league roster all, all got hits, all contributed. Right, and, and and so Magical was one for three with an RBI, and Morrell was one for three with a double, and Bodie two for two with an RBI. So he wants to make things a little bit different, difficult. Uh, one thing that was really cool, Dustin, is that uh, PCA there was a uh, deep there there was a play that he made where he threw the I runner saw out. That. Second. Put out, yeah, put out from basically the warning track. Absolutely awesome, and and, and you know it's. Uh, 
when I watch him, it's just, I can see there's so many things that I look at, but, but like I said, that stolen base, absolutely fun to watch, you know, just absolutely not even close to getting that guy. And, and, uh, and then seeing some of the plays he made in the outfield to put out and, and just, just the way he glides. It's just like, like I said, we just have watched so much bad center field play over the years that it's, it's, it's nice to see a guy that just is absolutely at the right place at the right time. And, and, and obviously, you know, I think he looked pretty good with the bat, not great. You know, he, he drew a couple walks, stuff like that, but, uh, the bat's going to come around. I, I think he just needs more at bats. I don't know if he's going to make it on the, on the big league squad this year. There's it's going to be hard to keep him down. I got a feeling it's going to be hard to keep him down because like I said, that glove ready to play the speed, always plays it's it's just being a little bit more selective in the plate and if he can do that it's it's not going to be long for him good news is Crawley there is plenty of spring training ahead for us to uh, talk about we'll get to uh, keep our eyes and ears on it thanks to uh, Marquee and obviously uh, 670 the score you're listening to Season 2, Episode 15, Cubs Spring Training Games have begun. A couple of them are in the books. A couple of them are going on right now. We will keep you updated for those right here. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Don't forget to follow us on the socials. Download, review it. And in this segment of the show, uh, the games are underway, and Crawley is interviewing Peggy Gilmore, the Vice President for Experternal Marketing for Sloan, and lovingly called the Mayor of Mesa. She's going to talk about Sloan and how to tailgate like a pro at your spring training visit. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, I have Peggy Gilmore. She is the VP of Experimental Marketing at for Sloan. How are you doing today, Peggy? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm a little jealous. All of a sudden, we're going to have a snow and an ice storm on Wednesday and Thursday, and you flew the coop to uh, sunny Mesa. How's it out there? I did. I cannot complain, and uh, I, I actually don't even feel sorry for you. You should just be <laughs> down here with me. That's, uh, that's user error on your part. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, podcasting doesn't pay the bills, but I will be out there March 7th through the 12th, so I am super excited. Brilliant. I will see you in person. Yes. So, you know, I brought you on here to talk a little bit about, you know, spring training because you are an expert on spring training. Um, now, Sloan Park opens up in Mesa in 2014, and then the partnership between the Cubs and Sloan really kind of kicks in in 2015. Is that right? Correct. Um, when they when they moved from Hohokam, I always mispronounce that, in 2014... We actually had not started our partnership. So for that particular year, I think I don't even, they call it like Cubs ballpark or whatever. Um, it didn't have a name. So yeah, so Sloan came into the picture in 2015. That was our first season. And that is when we got the naming rights to Sloan Park. Or that's when it became Sloan Park, I should say. And that partnership has been really great because you guys do run all the facilities, not only in Mesa, but also at Wrigley Field. Correct. It's been an incredible opportunity for us because one of our, you know, Sloan is, you know, we're the lead, um, the lead provider of commercial restroom products and we have a huge, you know, sustainability portion, which is very important to us. And one of our verticals is stadiums. You know, we do, we're all commercial. So we're stadiums, office buildings, airports, all things like that. And so it's really great to have our product, not only at Wrigley, but at Sloan Park, because we use it to entertain customers. And there's nothing better than having a customer that you can entertain, chill out, talk about work, talk about family, talk about friends. And at the same time, 
be able to show them the product that you're trying to get them to purchase. So it's a great time because people are relaxed and there's nothing better than spring training baseball. And there's never a bad day at Wrigley. So we're very lucky to have this opportunity to, to benefit everyone. Now you're out in Arizona for a little while. What do you do that entire time? Is that the time that you really bring people out to kind of see what's going on and what you guys, what products you have to offer? Yes, this is, this is my time and Sloan's time to shine. So people at work call me the unofficial mayor of Mesa during spring training. So I'm out here until final game, March 28th. And so opening day is next Saturday, February 25th. And we treat that, that's our biggest weekend of the year. And all of our salespeople bring out their best customers. And we have a whole weekend of fun. And we do tours at our local showroom where we make our custom sinks. And we do a big dinner to get together. And then everyone comes to tailgate before the game. Then we go into the game. We have player appearances. And it's just a great time to be with our customers, showcase the product, get out of the snow, you know, based on where you live. And it's just a great time. And then every game after that, so there's 18 games total. So the 17 games after opening day, we also do a tailgate for every game. We just don't have, you know, as many people. But again, people from all over the country are coming in to get some spring training, watch some baseball, and we get to work with them as customers and hang out and show them a really good time. So it's great. Now, for people that aren't aware, you guys have the primo location for your tailgate tent, <laughs> which is, it, yes, so, so describe to people that have never been to Sloan Park, starting from the, the Nike facility going to the actual stadium. Yeah. So, you know, as you know, one of the benefits of spring training is access to players. And I don't mean access, you know, like we're not hanging out with them, but the fun part about spring training is there's about what would you say, 200 feet maybe between the performance center and where the players enter the game. And it's a very definitive, specific walkway. And it's there specifically for the players to walk into the game and kids get to scream at them. They get autographs. The guys usually stop and talk. They say, hey. And so that's what I mean by access to players that you wouldn't get at Wrigley, you know, because they go from the clubhouse right to the dugout. So you don't get that, that moment of personal interaction with them. And that's what makes spring training so fantastic. And so right off of that walkway is what's called the red lot at Sloan Park. And it's just a massive grass parking lot right by the home plate gate. And we take up about a 60 foot by 60 foot area where we've built a semi-permanent structure, kind of looks like a concert, if you will. And that's up all year. And we took a old shipping container and turned it into a bar and we have chairs and we sit in the shade and we see players walk by and we just talk. And of course we serve Vienna beef hot dogs every day. And we just have a really good time. And we always have about two hours and then we all head up into the game and watch the game. And sometimes we have first pitches. Sometimes we sing the seventh inning stretch. And sometimes we even, you know, the tailgate goes on after the game. You just never know. It's always a beautiful day here. So we yeah, just kind of let people have the fun they have. Right. Well, that's the thing that I, that I love about spring training is that the people that come, the, the, there's the permanent people, right? And oh, then yeah. there's the people that that kind of kind of come in different waves, right? And so yeah. over the years, if you kind of you just kind of get to know people and meet people, and everybody's so friendly, and everybody, you know, you guys got the Vienna beef, and then at the Club 400 tent, which is right next to you guys, JP's got the pizza going, and then someone yeah. may have something over there, and everybody's kind of walking and talking and swapping and trading, and and like you know, after a few years, you get to kind of recognize everybody. And it's like a small little family. 
Oh, absolutely. I have people down here. We call them Peggy's pit crew because prior in prior seasons, it was literally me setting up tailgate. I would show up in a van where I took out all the seats and it was me and tents and ice and buckets. And I was, I was quite pathetic back then. And these guys that, you know, tailgate by you guys club 400 and um, Steve's dreams and all these other groups would come and it was like a fire brigade and they had saved my life for years. So we nicknamed them Peggy's pit crew. So we have a logo, they have t-shirts and, you know, life is easy now because we don't have to do so much of the hard labor, but they have truly become family to, to myself, to the Allen boys, to the Sloan people. I mean, we couldn't do it without them. So it is, it's a whole world and everyone's in a good mood, right? So everyone's just happy to be here. And I, I'm telling you, Peggy, the saddest day for me is like is, is when you have to go back to the airport. And you're like, oh, it hurts, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, you you know everybody. You know other blood. people are still going to be down here, right? It's like, ooh, why do I have to go home? Right. I keep telling myself I got to win the lottery. Now, over the years, obviously, you've gotten to meet a lot of the different players and personalities. Who are some of those that stand out and, and, and are kind of like personal favorites that you kind of like and enjoy their company? And and obviously, like I said, people stop and say hello to you guys and hang out a little right. bit. Oh, that's tricky. I don't want to leave anyone out. Um, I'm going to talk about past and current Cubs players. So um, everyone knows Kyle Schwaber is my favorite. I just absolutely adore him. I met him in 2015 when I don't even know if he was officially on the roster at that point. I'm, I'm getting old and forgettable, but he has been nothing but great and kind. And we really, really enjoyed having him on the team. And even now he's a great guy. So obviously he is, and he's doing great where he's at and God love him. And, you know, you've got Dempster and, uh, you know, Sandberg and all those amazing alumni, Lee Smith, Andre Dawson, they're always coming by. And then who doesn't love Grandpa Rossi? Like, he's just got a place in my heart that I just, you know, with everything, I adore him. And Joe Madden, and supposedly I get to see Joe Madden this season. He's coming out for an event, so he'll be in Arizona. And they're all great. I, You know, back at convention in January, I got to meet Dansby Swanson and Cody Bellinger and then You've got Ian Happ and Nico Horner. I mean, all those guys, they're just, they're really, really good people. Even, you know, Rizzo, Bryant, uh, Brizzo, those <laughs> guys are amazing. Javi Baez. I mean, I have honestly not met a player that just isn't kind. And I have been so lucky to meet them and, you know, get to spend some time with them. You know, not like crazy amounts of time. They're not, we're not on each other's speed dial, but, um, you know, they're very appreciative of our partnership and, you know, we treat them with respect and, we cheer them on and we root for them. And a lot of them have personal um, causes and charities and we like to support them. So we get to spend time with them on a personal level in that way. And it's just, it's been really great for, for everyone. So, and I think and, we're going to, I think we've got a good team this year. You know, there's nothing, nothing like a good rebuild and people are excited. I think it's been four years since we've had a full, full on 18 game spring training season with no masks and, you know, stupid COVID. And uh, so everyone's in a really, really high spirits this year on the, uh, not only because of not having COVID, but all the new players. And there's just this really good sense of, of, uh, of optimism. Positive. Yeah. Optimism. Absolutely. Right. And so, you know, being, you know, with, you know, this podcast, you know, as far as, you know, the home of the uh, Cubs 670, the score, two guys that I know love Sloan, uh, Pat and Ron. Oh and, God, those guys are amazing. And, and I always, I mean, just Coom is just like the life of the party, like in, in my opinion, like, and when he comes down, you always get a smile on there. 
And I don't know, you know, how tech savvy you are, but I swear if I were you, I would have Pat Hughes be my voicemail because when he says Sloan Park and all that. Right. Isn't it, it great? It, it is absolutely uh, Jimmy exciting. Allen, Jimmy Allen, one of our owners, his voicemail is Pat Hughes. It's like, you've called Jimmy Allen. <laughs> you know? I can't do it. I can't do it quite as well as Pat Hughes. But yeah, so those guys always stop by tailgate. I think Ron and I, you know, duke it out for the life of the party and they're always, you know, willing to have us up in the booth so we can talk and just hang out with them during the games and even at Wrigley. And they have supported Sloan and our, you know, our sustainable mission and and just making people happy. And we are very fortunate to know them and have them in our lives. Now, let me ask you, you know, as far as if somebody is coming to Arizona and, you know, there aren't games every single day, like you said, obviously the Cubs play some away games. What do you like to take people, you know, as you were talking about your customers or things to do in Mesa for someone that hasn't been to spring training yet? You know, the, that's the beauty of Arizona. And I'm pretty sure whenever this whole thing started on spring training, there was, there was some logic put into where, where they had spring training. Right. Um, And Arizona is beautiful. You can, there is nothing here that you can't, you can't find that you like, right? If you're not a golfer, there's hiking. If you're not a hiker, there's hot air balloons, there's four wheel rides. There's, you know, there's the food down here is spectacular. There's a spa on every other corner. So the, the whole nature part, there's, you know, the Frank Lloyd Wright has a, um, I always pronounce it wrong. Taliesin, Taliesin West is out here. So for a lot of our customers who are architects and designers, they love to go do that. So you can have from culture to, you know, spend a good Saturday day drinking down at Old Town Scottsdale. You know, there's amazing Tex-Mex, Mexican food, sushi. There's just nothing you can't do. There's a rodeo. You can go watch bull riding. I mean, it, there's, there's nothing, no shortage of fun around here. including I think, I think we're going to Ostrich Fest. I and- have been to Ostrich Fest. <laughs> yes, it is. You get, you can eat ostrich eggs. You can, they're huge. Um, you can see ostriches, you can pet them. You can, it's, it's a, it's a festival. The other <laughs> festival. Pretty decent bands. Yeah. And the other festival, we just uh, talked to Ryan Dempster the other day, the innings festival that's in Tempe. Oh, yeah. And so that, that, that's another party. And so, I, I mean, you know, I think for people that aren't aware, you know, there's just so much to spring training. And, and when you think about it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's when you talk about Wrigley, you talk about 40,000, but when you go into Sloan, it's 15,000, but the dimensions are exactly the same. So it's like when you're there, it's almost like you're at Wrigley, but with a much more intimate crowd. Right. And, and, and that's what I was talking about when I was talking about like that accessibility. I mean that for every aspect of it. I mean, you are in the game, you are watching them. You are there, you are close. It's like, it's like having a private baseball game. You know what I mean? I mean, if you take out what the extra, I can't do math, 25,000 people that are at Wrigley that aren't here and it's the same size, you're, you are up close and personal. You can hear them talking, you can yell at them and it's just amazing. And, and going back to Innings Fest, you know, that is, it started a couple of years ago, pre, pre-COVID, unfortunately, you know, we all, we all put life on hold, but those guys are brilliant because everyone's down here and they bring in, you know, this year we have Eddie Vedder and uh, Green Day and Weezer and just great bands, whether they're present or old. And, you know, they've got a bunch of young hit bands that, of course, I have to ask my kids who they are because I don't know who they are. But um, it's just all it's so fun for all of us to be down there. And then we've included that in our customer entertainment. So now we all go from opening day straight over to Innings Fest. So it just adds a whole more 
whole other level of fun. I mean, there's just, like I said, it is, it's an amazing place to be this time of year. And, and I've never been to the Grapefruit League in Florida, but I'm pretty convinced we are more fun. So you are way more fun because every park is within about 45 minutes of each other in Arizona. Right. When you go to Florida, it's like, you have to drive like a couple hours. I mean, it's just, it doesn't have the intimacy. So, yeah. and there's more rain. So I would say that Arizona <laughs> for me is the way to go. Peggy, I appreciate you giving us a little bit of your time and I'm looking forward to seeing you at the Sloan tent and, uh, you know, drinking a couple of cold club 400s and having some Vienna beef hot dog along with JP's pizza. I love it. I love it. Well, you are welcome to join us anytime. Anyone that's listening can come over to the Sloan tailgate and ask for me. And we've got a great menu this year at the tailgate. I, I believe I've done some of my best work. I named all the drinks uh, this year after some past and current players. And they're really funny. I crack myself up, but whatever. Give me, give me, give me a preview. Good. Give me one drink. Give me a preview here. All right. You've got the, uh, the dumpster fire as opposed to the dumpster fire. That is a, <laughs> Spicy blood orange margarita. You've got the the moral compass for Christopher Morel, and that is a shot of Malort. Um, and there's no refunds. That is, uh, <laughs> they they call it the champagne of pain. Um, you've got the uh, what was the professor of wisdom. So I try to incorporate. You know, you've got the Horner Happy Gilmore. All so right. poor Nico got stuck in with my with my cocktail. Oh, we have Grandpa's juice which is a good old fashioned Bud Light. Um, oh, you've got the, um, the Dansby Diggity Dog. And that is a Bloody Mary with a Vienna beef stick. Um, oh, and the last one I think is, I think I'm forgetting some, but the last one is the Bell, Hap, the Bell Hop. But I crossed off the O and put an A for the Bell Hop. And that's a uh, freshy tequila seltzer, so. Well, you, you have now, you have now went my whistle. I am, I'm excited, Peggy, and I will come by and visit you and hopefully you'll come by and visit us over at club 400. And thank you so much for jumping on Absolutely. the fly the W podcast. Thank you. And thanks club 400 and, and Crawley and everything. And we cannot wait to see you guys and at, at Sloan park and at Wrigley. Sounds good. Take care. Crawley also talking more about spring training tailgating advice with Stu. McVicker, founder of Club 400, and Jason Peters, head of Club 400 Arizona. We just heard from Peggy Gilmore. Now we're going to have some more tailgating tips. I have with me on Fly the W, Stu McVicker from Club 400, and Jason Peters, president of Club 400 Arizona. How you doing, boys? Good. Real good. Doing great, Crawley. Thanks for Jason, having me. JP's uh, already got two games under his sleeve, and he looks the pieces look great out there. Oh, yeah. They're tasting good, buddy. Now, now, JP, you know, I know the the outcome didn't turn out that great for today's game, but uh, opening day at Sloan was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, a record-setting crowd, if you didn't hear that. And, uh, you know, from an insider point of view, you know, you hear about the, the large crowd. What you might not have heard about it was the beer lines. Oh, my goodness, Crowley. Probably 50 people in every beer line around the stadium. It was insane. And that is a good lead in JP, because for people that don't know, it's better sometimes to get your beer outside of the ballpark. And for all of your beer needs and pizza needs and tailgating needs, Club 400 has a great presence out at Sloan Park. Stu, tell us a little bit about the tent. Well, Crawley, uh, thanks for uh, bringing me on tonight. It was really important. I wanted to let all the Cub fans know if you're going to, 
beautiful Mesa, Arizona this year, and you're going to catch a game at Sloan Park, we are your home base. You can come over there. Uh, actually, Kathy Wheatley is uh, delivering 400 cans of Club 400 Lager from Crystal Lake Brewing. And I am picking that up tomorrow with the born-on date of February 28th. It's being actually put in cans tomorrow. I'm going to be taking the first 20 cases with me. And then I'm going to meet up with my guy, Marty, from the Salsa King of Chicago. And we're picking up 90 bowls of salsa. And Miss Kathy Wheatley is driving down there tomorrow. And she will be delivering that to JP's tent by Saturday's game. And you know what? I just want to let all the Cub fans know out there. If you come to a game, we got you covered. JP is the main man. He's the man of March. JP is, also does his famous homemade pizzas. So if you come by our tent, you need a water for your kids, or you need a soda, or you need a cold club for 100, you need sunglasses, you need maybe you need sunscreen, you need a koozie, and you just want a place to hang out, we're, we're there for you guys. That's what we are. We are Cub fans helping Cub fans. And like I said, uh, if you've never been to Sloan Park, and you, but maybe you're with your wife or your girlfriend or your family and you want to come out and hang out with some great like-minded Cub fans and st stop by the Club 400 tent. Now, JP, do me a favor. You know, for people that are maybe completely unfamiliar with Sloan, there's a pathway, right? And that pathway yeah. leads from the Nike Performance Center to Sloan Park and the players walk down there. How many players usually stop by around and just kind of say, hey, to the Club 400 tent? Yeah, it's really cool, man. Uh, you know, there's between the players and coaches and media that you're familiar with, right? There's probably anywhere between 30 and 50 that you that you recognize, you know. Um, and I would say, you know, if you ask, you know, a good probably 10 to 15 to even 20 on a good day, we'll stop by and say hi and, um, you know, talk to you for a little bit, take some pictures with you. Um, you know, grab some of your food. If you're making some good chicken wings or some good pizza, like we are at the club 400 tent, you know, um, yeah, they'll stop by and, and have a bite and, uh, and, and talk to you for a while. It's really cool, man. True story. You know, my mom has been out to spring training, but she's never done it club 400 style. And so I told her mom, you know, she, she went out this last week and I said, mom, you, you got to go to the club 400 tent. And she's like, why, you know, I can just go into the park. I'm like, mom, just go to the club 400 tent. So now she's eating pizza. And then here's a picture of my mom with Brennan Davis walking along the pass. Here's a, here's a picture of my mom with Christopher Morrell. Absolutely. She had the greatest time. And, and the thing JP, I think people don't understand is that you guys have like a prime location. I think you're the third tent from down. I think Sloan park is one. And then Steve's uh, dream Steve's dreams, number two, and then comes club 400. So anybody, what, what we're trying to say is anybody that's going down there, you can come by and just meet some of the best fans. And, and since I've been going, like you can take a look at this picture right here, tons of awesome regulars, right? These are the guys that are just expert tailgaters. And the thing I love JP is you could sit there, right? And like, I'll eat your pizza every day of the week, but then I like walk and then people start handing me food and like, Oh, Carl, you yeah. got to try this. Carl, yeah. have a little bit of this. And it's like, Oh my God, I'm in paradise. That's, that's the greatest thing. And yeah, so if you don't know, um, yeah, you're talking about basically the home plate entrance, right? Um, and then <clears throat> there's a path between the Nike Performance Center, like you said, to the home plate entrance. And yeah, we're literally the third tent from the home plate entrance. Um, so we're right there as you're walking into the game. You can see the Club 400 tent. I mean, you can't miss it. And, and that's a great point, too. I mean, I'm serving pizza, um, you know, every game, but um, the, guy, the professionals right next to us, um, Mike and, and Pat, and there you go. You, you got Richie, you got Ron, um, and, and they're out there and making 
great food uh, every game and, and they're serving it up. And yeah, you're right. They, they walk around, they hand it out. And that's what we do with the pizzas, right, Carl? I mean, we walk around with the pizzas, we, we hand it out and everybody's sharing their food, sharing their drinks, having a good time, listening to music, talking to Cubs players. You can't beat it. No, it really, truly is the greatest thing. And, and then the one thing I think is cool is the wave of people that's coming out there. Um, I will be out there coming up. I will be at the tent at the games on the 8th, the 9th, which is against uh, Canada, World Baseball Classic, and the 10th against the White Sox. Yeah. And then, sadly, JP, I have to leave. But in comes in Mr. Stuart McVicker right out of the bullpen. So Yeah, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people um, – you know, at, at Sloan about the about the schedule and a lot of I mean, media especially said, well, I think it's a really good thing that Crawley's leaving and then Stu's coming in because Mesa <laughs> cannot handle both of them there at the same time. So I think they appreciated it. I, I think we did it once and, and that was we've done it a couple of times and every time we do, it's like a like a like a you just see the wreckage from what happened. So it, it, yeah. it does kind of work out better. But, but that's the thing is that like, it's just like, you'll meet some of the coolest people. You'll make so many friends. You know, I think about like, it's, it's weird. Like, just like, you know, like uh, Rich Beasterfield and John Antonoff stopped by, you know, the guys that are taking the photos, uh, you know, Steve Scherer stopped by and he's a guy I went, to, I just met him out there and he's like, Hey, let's go to a game. And we went to a, a Cubs game again at Seattle's park. You know, I think they share it with the Reds and it's just like, you just make friends there. And that, if you're looking for that vibe, that fun vibe, that whole area, like I said, right there, right around the club, 410. I mean, sometimes I like, I hate to say it, but like, I just, I forget to go into the game. You know what I mean? I just want to like, <laughs> hang out there and play yeah. some bags and eat all the good food and drink some beer. Yeah. I mean, and, and Stu, you can, you can talk about it uh, too. I mean, you host great parties out there when you, when you come down, everybody looks forward to you guys coming down, but you're right, Crawley. I mean, um, Honestly, I look forward to being at the tent. I look forward to talking to the fans, um, talking to the Cubs players, the coaches, the media members are super cool, right? Um, being at the tent for those four hours, um, it's, I mean, it's, it, it trumps, I mean, the games are great. Don't get me wrong. I, I love going to watch a good baseball game, but man, I'm telling you, if you're coming out for the first time, um, if you've been there before and you've never been to the Club 400 tent, you have to come out. It's, it's like no other tailgate, man. Yeah, I'll tell you what, we, I was talking to JP about it the other day. Like, the regular parking lot is on the other side of the field. So, if you pull in the regular parking, you're not going to find this. You got to make that trek over. And I, you know, obviously, you know, there's a lot of action in that other uh, public lot, but we chose that lot specifically because that's where you can get close to the players. That's where the players walk to, walk by every game. And, uh, you just meet all you meet all the media members like we spoke about earlier, and there's the there's that uh, field right across uh, from us, where one of the practice fields. So uh, that's uh, practice field one, right there. Right, practice field one. Yeah. So uh, no, honestly, I um, you know I I feel like we're giving the fans. I, where where can you go uh, when you go into a baseball game and be treated like family? That's the club 410, and uh, I really I really appreciate JP. Uh, for going out there, spending the time, and being out there when, when I can't be out there. Like you said, uh, we got the heckler coming in this weekend, then Crawley, <laughs> and me. So I'll be out there the 15th through the 20th. We're going to work with some of the players to make sure they do some special stop buys that are pre-planned. And, yeah, it's going to be a great time. So we're going to bring our – because we'll be – I'll be out there St. Patrick's Day weekend. We're going to bring our newest uh, – green shirts with the Jaeger, with the Jägermeister shirts, uh, <laughs> Jaeger shots, and we'll definitely have Jaeger shots that weekend. So uh, I, I'm really upset that uh, I couldn't see you down there this year, Crowley, but we'll have to plan a little bit better next year. 
Well, Stu, do me a favor for all the listeners out there, give them your Twitter account so that they know where that they can find you on Twitter, because I know JP is, has the account on Instagram and you have Twitter. And so if people wanted to find out what's going on as far as the day is concerned, where would they find you? Yeah, we're on three major social medias. We're on like it's uh, JP took over our Instagram account. So that's Club 400 Cubs. And then on Twitter, we are Cubs uh uh, Cubs, uh, what was it Club 400 Man Cave? And then on uh, Facebook, we are uh, Club 400 Public Page, that, and that's where you can get all the daily updates. Uh, I would like to tell you guys right now, I'm not going to release the name, but our first party, it looks like it's going to be April 6th here in Lake of the Hills, our baseball is back party with a current player. We're trying to finalize that now, but we're going to kick off the season here with that. But for right now, it's all centered around. Mr. JP and the tent. So all you got to do is walk up to JP and say, hey, Stu sent me. I'm here with Club 400, and JP will welcome you, welcome you in with a cold Club 400 lager and maybe some chips and salsa and a slice of pizza. <laughs> and Club 400 swag. So, yeah. guys, I, I am, I'm, I'm so excited about this. And, and JP, I'm so looking forward, man. I, like I said, just looking at the pictures of everybody, even just now, has me, has me excited. So, you know, thank you, JP, for everything that you do to keep everything running. Stu, for all your generosity for the fans, gives them a place to go. And, and again, maybe you don't know anybody out there. It's your first time. Well, guess what? You got friends out at the Club 400 tent. Yeah. Always. And I just want to reiterate, JP donates all the pizza. Marty from Salsa King of Chicago is donating all the salsa. And Club 400 has our as an organization is donating all the beer and uh we're going to make sure when we get down there, I'm going to refill JP with some water and some soda. We're ready, we're ready to rock and roll. Let's go. We'll see you at Sloan, guys. Thanks for having us on, Crawley. Thanks, Crawley. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is episode 15. It is season two in Cubs training games. Out spring, out west, Crawley. They are underway. A couple of them in the books. A couple more of them for us to talk about. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. And uh, looking at the week ahead, Crawley, the Cubs have a couple of split squad games coming up. We're going to see Jamison Tyon on the hill, Caleb Killian on the mound. So a lot of things to look forward to. Yeah, you know, there's going to be three split double headers. This is the first one that they're going to be playing on Monday. On Tuesday, they play the Brewers. On Wednesday, Seattle at home. And then on Thursday, they play Oakland at home. Um, one of the things, Dustin, that was really kind of cool over the weekend was for the first time, Dexter Fowler joined Boog and JD on the broadcast. And I can just tell you that, that the you know, I am not a three-man booth guy. I don't know where you kind of stand on this, Dustin, but uh, – I always feel like it's just one too many. You know what I mean? It's a little crowded. It's a little crowded. It it depends. And that's when the driver, so in this case, Boog, who's very good at what he does, um, you really have to be on top of your game. And, And the other thing is it's always, you know, these analysts, the players, they're in there to talk. So they want to talk. They want to tell stories. They want to analyze. They want to give you tips. And it, it does get a little busy, absolutely. And I think now with these new rules, you know, there's not that time necessarily to fill. You don't need that with, with stories and antidotes and, oh, by the way, because things are moving pretty crisp. We're going to get into that in a second. Yeah, I, you know, I think you bring up a good point is, is, is that as we talk about all these new rules is how is the broadcast going to look? Because like you said, the inning when Dexter came in was that inning where they scored, I think, like seven runs. And so you had plenty of time, you know, 
But in general, that the type of pieces that uh, Taylor McGregor has done in the past when she kind of comes down and kind of has some different stories, it's it's a a different pace. But I think that Dexter just, you know, his stories were hilarious. He kind of pointed out certain things. Uh, I really enjoyed having him on here, and I'm really glad he is part of the Marquee Network. Yeah, he's engaged. There's no doubt about that, and he's got a good perspective. He's not that far removed, and obviously it was a huge part to – the most successful team in the history of the Chicago Cubs. Absolutely. We talked a little bit about Seiya Suzuki. He is getting imaging on his oblique, and the Cubs, like you said, are going to take it slowly, and they're not going to sit there and kind of tell us everything they know right away. But you have to wonder about, like you said, not playing in the World Baseball Classic. And I know how hard this is going to be because for Seiya and for a lot of people, they interviewed – Javier Assad after his start on Sunday, and he talked about just the pride he felt in being announced playing for his country. And I know with, with Japanese baseball players, I have a friend who lives out in Japan. It is a huge point of pride to be able to play for your team, for your country. Um, but obviously it's the Cubs that are paying a salary. And, and if there's any chance that he, you know, he could injure himself further by playing, then they're clearly not going to let him play. No. And I think, they have to. Uh, they have to be careful. They they have to get, uh, you know, protect the player against himself, if you will. And I get it. And and I don't want to be a hypocrite. I, I I do. I prefer guys playing for their country when it makes sense, even professionals. So I, I've said that in the past, and I don't want to be hypocritical. But if you've got something nagging, if you've got something holding you back, I, I think your commitment has to be to your professional league club and your teammates. So, you well, know. Maybe, Absolutely. maybe. <laughs> I now know, I know I we know. all. I know I know we all want him to, to to be part of the baseball classic so that he can go ahead and recruit Otani and all of that. But, but the Cubs aren't getting Otani, so it's okay. He can stay home. Um, speaking, uh, you know, I was laughing, Dustin, because the name of our episode we did last week at this time was Wilson Contreras turns heel. You texted me a link right away, and I said, up, here we go. And it's funny because every single blogger website said, Wilson Contreras turns heel. I said, guys, you're a week late. Yeah, it was all over the place. Yeah, it was all (laughs) over the place. You're right. Yeah, we were on that. And so what what did Wilson have to say that got everybody all fired up? Let's give it a listen. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is, uh, uh, for me, I like this better. It's a better organization. Uh, We all, like, almost like old school old school way which I love it um, and that's something that I really like it I was I already talked to uh, the manager about it like how was the culture here and everything since I got here has been everything just one way the cardinal way and I have to adjust it so uh, it's, it's not it's not it's not it's not that hard I mean do everything right and respect each other so the immediate follow-up Crowley is the old school way okay I, I want to know what that way is. Now, w- what is that way? Because I, I might be I might be a guy who would also like the old school way. But what 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 is he referring to there? What aren't the what are the Cardinals doing that the Cubs aren't doing? But you know, a better organization that stings, that hurts, right? So now and now it goes back into that conversation we had last week about what do you do if you happen to be at the first game. Cubs Cardinals at Wrigley and he comes to the plate does that you know does that piece of audio change how you feel because you know that 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 cut is going to get played a hundred times 
on 670 to score before that game is played that day. And, and Dustin, like we talked about, this, this, isn't even, this is just the beginning of spring training. This isn't going to stop. He's not going to stop. He's going to keep going. He's going to keep taking his digs. And, and, and that's what I said. He's a very thin-skinned person. And, he, he, you know, the Cubs made a business decision to move on. They felt that they were looking for something different than what Wilson offered. And Wilson took it personally. You know, like that old Michael Jordan meme, you know, I took it personally. Okay, so Wilson's going to take this personally. I'm just worried he is going, I just hope he doesn't burn bridges because, you know, I told you I wasn't going to boo him. But now I'm getting to the point where I might just do the beer tip that you were talking about last time. But I'm definitely not, I'm moving away from the applause. Now, I can tell you, this morning I woke up and I do what I always do. I, I have a shower radio and I turn on 670 the score and they are talking just about this. So Dustin, you know what I immediately do as I get out of the shower. You I pick up my phone. Called in, huh? <laughs> called in. And and so uh, let's just say it was pretty funny because I, I could not, I, the, the Mully and Haw show, I could, I, I, let's just say I got, I, maybe I got David fired up a little bit. Here's a little audio clip. Come on, Crowley. <laughs> Come on, Crowley. I, I'm sorry, but, but, but I will say, Dustin, I was thinking about you because all of a sudden at the end, this is the tweet that Mully reads on air. And they didn't, uh, unfortunately, I went on the Odyssey app and they didn't have everything on there. But there was a funny little segment where they were talking about you at the end. I had to play it. Text of all the days for Dustin to be off the one time you want to hear from him. <laughs> <laughs> the one time, huh? The one time, yeah. Well, we'll, they, uh, we'll have something to say about that tomorrow if it comes up. Well, 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 Molly was saying that you had a job interview in St. Louis and you were going to be on the new uh, the, playing the uh, baseball the right I, way. I, that, that part wasn't in that part wasn't in the that part wasn't in the audio. No, that part wasn't in the audio. Now, I, I, just I had laughing. a uh, had a day off after a uh, a late uh, a late return from uh, Iowa yesterday for a dance competition. But but if you go back and listen to to the Odyssey segment of the of the Molly and Haw show. I would say that it was kind of a mixed reaction. You had people like me that were just kind of frustrated with Wilson. And I and, and the thing that I keep saying, you know, David Hall brought this up, is that when you saw, right, when all of a sudden David Ross saw um, Dexter Fowler coming out onto the field for the first time, you saw the hug and lifting him up in the air. That ain't ever going to be happening between David Ross and Wilson Contreras. No, despite that, what he said, despite what he said on the Mully and Haw show was Zaidman. Right, love him like a brother. Love him like a teammate. We were world champions together. I texted him, talked to him after he got his contract. Um, but he said that there's no truth to what Ken Rosenthal wrote. Um, the anonymous sources are bogus, um, and that's fine. I mean, it would have been real news if David Ross had said something other than just that. So Crowley, you just mentioned it was pretty funny. You said that uh, don't worry. Uh, Shohei Otani isn't coming here. We also now know that Manny Machado won't be coming to Chicago except to play against the uh, Cubs. Yeah, I tried to to put it out in the ether and make it happen, but Manny Machado signs an extension for the Padres. They of unlimited funds, 11 years, $350 million. I talked to you, Dustin, before about the extensions, and I said if I'm Ian Happ's agent... I'm not signing any extensions because he was one of the best bats out there and one of the definitely one of the best outfield bats out there. So now 
There's another big bad off the market. Ian Happ's value just went up as long as he can have the same exact year or better than last year. And even if he doesn't, if even if he's slightly below, if you need a hitter, Dustin, there's not a lot that's going pitching. Absolutely. We'll, we'll have plenty of time to talk that in the off season, but now with Machado off the board, Ian Happ's agent has to be, uh, you know, seeing dollar signs in front of him because other than Shohei Otani, right? And that's why I was joking around a little bit too, saying, look, the, the Cubs, you know, I don't need Saya to go to the World Baseball Classic because the Cubs are not going to pay what Shohei is going to get. I mean, what, what do you imagine? I mean, like now with Machado off the board, I'm thinking, could you potentially see $600 million dollars? I hope not. I, I don't. I, I don't want to even. I don't even want to go there right now, Crawley. It's just no, 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 no. So let me ask you this: we're, we're staying on Machado for a second. He was the first guy to receive a pitch clock violation for not being in the batter's box on time. Um, what did you think when you were watching on Marquee? What did you think of how they were using the clock? It was distracting to you. Did you find yourself? zoning into it what, what was your take on that my take on it is that it is jarring for someone that's been watching you know for me i try to watch almost every game of the season right so i try to watch all 162 it doesn't always happen but if i'm not you know if i'm not listening to it it's on the radio and so there's always there's a pace that you're accustomed a rhythm that you're accustomed and all of a sudden you feel like that there's a giddy up it's kind of like whoa it just it seems a lot different now for marcus stroman didn't look like it bothered him one bit. Seemed like he enjoyed it. Um, but I think all of these guys, sometimes there was a situation where I think it was the the inning where he's the first inning a little bit where it looked like he was rushing a little bit. And afterwards, Stroman was talking about adjusting timing and kind of trying to wants to get an advantage out of that. But but it's I think all of these guys, whether it's speeding up or slowing themselves down, is going to be different. I don't know. You know, it's going to be interesting when I get out to Mesa. I'll be out there. A week from Tuesday, um, so about like I'm about like a week, yeah I'm, I'm getting real close here a week from tomorrow, and so it, it's I think kind of like you know like you were saying with the broadcasting where they tell these stories and you can spin a yarn and what do they say never start a story with two outs right now you got to be careful with when you do start a story because it does move at a rapid pace uh, I think that once you get, let's say, probably about a month into the season, I think most of the part, it'll probably be better. But I think it's going to change baseball. Uh, if you looked at most of the games that were played this weekend, you're talking about a little over two and a half hours, which is exactly what they saw in the minor leagues, two hours and 40 minutes roughly. Um, so it is going to be different, you know, so it's kind of like... And spring you know, training games are typically even longer with all the changes, right? Right. And so I, I would say that, like, you know, like I could sit there sometimes at a ball game and literally go to the bathroom, get a beer, and then be back in my seat and miss, like, one, maybe two batters. Like, right. I got a feeling if you go up to your seat and you get something, you know, you may you may miss an inning. I don't know. Yeah, you're going to miss a half, at, least a ha at least a half inning. There is no doubt about that. So, Crowley, the great news is, is that uh, Cubs baseball is back 
on the air. These games aren't for real, but the guys are trying to get ready for when it counts the most. That's a wrap. Season 2, Episode 15, Cubs Spring Training Games Have Begun is in the books. And we don't want you to forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to this podcast. Follow us on our show socials, FlyTheW670 on Twitter, Instagram, FlyTheW on Facebook. And don't forget you can email us, FlyTheW670 at gmail.com. And go Cubs! It's all over. 